I was asked to speak about what does it mean to me to be a father. For me, fatherhood came quickly and without much time for preparation. As foster parents, we had prepared a nursery and a bedroom because we didn't know what age our first placement would be. We had clothing in every size and gender from infant to child. All we knew was our hearts were open to whoever was in need of love and care. Eventually, we found out that Jackson would be coming to us. And while most fathers have to wait nine months, in just a few short weeks, we were nervously pacing the floor, waiting for his caseworker to show up with him at our door. It seemed like ages. Peeking out the window, pacing back and forth, where are they? Neither Jennifer or I could sit down. And then he was there. As we held him in our arms, I remember giving him his first bottle and looking down in his eyes. I will protect you from all harm, my heart said, thumping heavily in my chest with the enormity of that responsibility, so tiny and vulnerable. Quickly, I learned how to mix a bottle, how to give a bath in the sink, how to put him down in his crib after he drifted off to sleep without waking him up. Watching the video monitor just to make sure he was okay. Waking up to the monitor as he stirred awake, hungry, only just barely awake, but enough to let us know he needed us. Those two in the morning moments, those were very special times. Just me and him rocking in a chair, him draining the bottle and drifting off to sleep. And that was our special time, just he and I. And isn't that still true today? Always making space for that special time. That is fatherhood to me. Only a short month later, we got another phone call. An emergency. A child we had kept as respite providers in the past was in need of immediate help. Ava Kate had captured our hearts already, even before we knew that she would be coming to us as a full-time placement. Now she walks right in and promptly wrapped me around her finger. I remember her crawling up beside me on the couch, grabbing my arm and putting it around her, as if to say, this is how you do it, silly. I'll teach you. And that is part of fatherhood, too. Never thinking you have all the answers. Taking the time to listen to what your child is telling you about themselves and their needs. And I said again in that moment, no one is ever going to hurt you. And then came the court hearings. The court ordered visitations that led to emotional turmoil and upheaval. The wrong decisions. The mistakes of a system designed to place blood relation above all rational decision making and best interest. Helplessness. I guess that's part of fatherhood as well. At times, that drive to fiercely protect and nurture challenged by forces beyond your control, leaving you powerless to do a thing about it. There we were, hurt and angry, but Ava Kate showed us what it was to be a survivor. Where most kids would have been broken and devastated, Ava Kate showed a fierce independence and determination. I always say that kid is going to be a leader one day, someone really in charge of things. 
And I always tell her, you can do anything you set your mind to, really, anything. You want to be president one day? Break that glass ceiling. You want to be a pilot? Let's get you flying lessons, because I see that as part of fatherhood. Assuring that your sons and daughters know they can do anything they set their minds to. Encourage their dreams. Don't ever let me be the one to stand in their way for lack of believing in them. Jackson, the inquisitive one, always a little shadow, ready to soak up knowledge. And that is part of fatherhood, isn't it? Answering questions day in and day out. A moment's rest is usually not found. Can I help with that? What are you doing, Daddy? Can you show me a video of how that works? Can I help you put the water under the hood, Daddy? Can I spray that on the weeds? I always involve my kids in taking care of things around the house, maintenance on the car. I always take time to answer questions because that, too, is part of fatherhood. Passing on the knowledge about to, how to take care of things and how to fix things encouraging the investigator and the curiosity that leads to new discovery. But above all is love, unconditional love, the kind that spans all wrongdoing and hurt, the kind that expresses itself in time spent together, the kind that says, I'll always be here for you, and the kind that is patient. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you do. But people will never forget how you made them feel. tell you about my father to help you understand why I was a deeply flawed father from the get-go. My dad was the only child raised by his father. His mother died shortly after birth. He had some aunts to help raise him. He ended up being a registered nurse in the Air Force and a Vietnam veteran. He had six children, five boys and one girl. My sister was the oldest. I was the next oldest. He was rather strict and believed in corporal punishment. He expected us to do chores, to help him maintain the house, fix the car, mow the grass, do things around the house, repair things that needed to be repaired. He would tell us what to do, and he had high expectations for the outcome. Of course, that, didn't, that rarely occurred. And he was rather critical of us when we did not meet his expectations. I did not really like my father growing up. And I don't ever really recall him having father-son conversations. And a lot of, it just didn't seem like he was very connected to us. What I do remember a lot, and some very painful memories, was him expressing a lot of anger towards us and my mother. I was very glad to leave the family for college. 
I graduated from college with a degree in biology and attended graduate school at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio and got a degree in microbiology. That was where I met my wife. We finished up in San Antonio, moved to Boston. We had our first son, Philip, while we were in Boston. And then we moved to Shreveport. I took my first job in Shreveport on the faculty at the Health Science Center here. And then we had two more children, Emma, my wonderful daughter, and Roger, my son. Looking back at the first five to six years of fatherhood makes me sad and a little bit of shame regarding my ability to be a good husband and father. I was emotionally distant and found myself being angry at my young children, but mostly at Philip. He was a very active child and got into all manner of things. And he, he, he bore the brunt of much of that anger. I found myself mostly watching them do things and not really interacting on a personal level with them. I enjoyed watching them do things, but I, just, I was never really emotionally attached to them. And when they did things I did not like, I would become angry at them. I would let it ride and ride and ride, and then I would burst out in anger. These are little children. At one point, after getting really angry at Philip, I realized that I was becoming my father. And I was horrified. So I, I found a wonderful counselor that helped me understand where this anger was coming from. And it turns out I was, of course, projecting a lot of my shadow stuff on my family, including my wife. This realization was a major turning point in my relationship with my children and later on with my father. I began to understand that it was not the job of the kids to live up to my expectations, and I needed to appreciate them for what they were and interact with them like I would an adult friend of mine. From time to time, I would have issues with them regarding choices they made, but I was able to free myself from being angry and highly judgmental and let them make their choices. This did not mean that I would not offer advice, but as you know, most often when you offer advice to your children, they ignore it. But ultimately, ultimately, I was happy to let them make their own choices. As I mentioned earlier, this transformation also allowed me to tell my father, I never told my father I loved him until I was about 45 years old. And he told me that he loved me also. A couple of years ago, I took each of my kids to dinner separately and essentially apologized to them the way I treated them when they were youngsters. I think they appreciated this, and I got some good feedback from them as to how they felt during that time. As we stand here today, I think I can say that I have a good relationship with my children and really, really enjoy spending time with them and even hearing them tell me funny and not-so-funny stories about their childhoods as they relate to me. 
I would like to acknowledge the role that All Souls played in this transformation. All Souls has made me a kinder and gentler person. And this has certainly helped me appreciate and love my children. And lastly, I would like to thank my ex-wife, Annie Peterson, for her role in helping to raise my children. So uh, I actually almost didn't do this because uh, when I was asked to do this thing about fatherhood, like I, uh, I, I kind of felt like I wasn't really in a very good place for it because I, I feel kind of conflicted about fatherhood in my life right now um, just because there's, there's a lot of it going on and, and I, I, I kind of feel like I've got some strong feelings that I should have probably worked through before I hit, you know, 41 years old. Um, <laughs> But I, I do want to start off by saying that, you know, like, my kids are great. And, uh, and, and me as a dad, like, I, I, for, you know, like, I got to say thank you to my ex-wife, uh, Megan, um, for teaching me so much about fatherhood. Um, because I, I think at this point in my life, I'm a, I'm a pretty good dad. Um, I've been told by a number of people that I'm a pretty good dad. And, and um, you know, I, I try pretty hard. I, they haven't given me the number one dad shirt yet. I don't have that. I don't have the big foam finger. I'm, I'm gunning for it. Maybe next year. But uh, so I think that, uh, you know, we have like, we have a debt to our kids. And definitely we have a debt to our children. They didn't ask us to bring them into this world. They didn't ask us to, to, to give them the life that they had. They came out screaming and crying. And that's probably for a good reason. And so we should, we should, give them what we can to make, to set them onto the, onto life on the right course. Um, and I think that there's also a difference between moms and dads, you know, where, uh, and, and maybe this is sociological or, or whatever it is. I'm not a social scientist, but, uh, it seems to me like moms tend to, uh, tend to nurture children and dads tend to set them off on the right foot to, to launch them into life. Um, and so, you know, I'll say that I, I personally, I, I had a pretty terrible father, like, he wasn't abusive, he wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that, but, like, and, and that's kind of why I feel a little bit weird, because, like, you should kind of get over these things in your 20s, like, not in your 40s, uh, but I didn't really get over it in my 20s, because I hadn't really thought about some of the things that he'd done that, that, uh, that kind of got to me, because it's kind of a weird time in my life. Um, it was actually when I was uh, starting college, which was, like, three years ago, right? Because I'd done a lot of college courses over the years, and I'd gotten a lot of credits, but I hadn't actually enrolled in school full-time, and then I enrolled in school, and I filled out my, my FAFSA, and strangely enough, that's the thing that made me really angry at my father, um, because it brought back this, and it brought into very clear focus something that had happened when my brother left home, because uh, my home, like, when I was a teenager, was, was quickly degenerating and, and turning into a very bad place. I left home when I was 15. My brother, my oldest brother, six years older than me, he got kicked out when he was 18 years old, um, but when he got kicked out, like he had just uh, been accepted into, he had just been accepted into uh, Georgia Tech, and he'd gotten this awesome scholarship. He, he was going to get a like a, I think a fifty or seventy five percent ride into Georgia Tech for the physics program. My brother's a really smart guy. Uh, he's he's a really nice guy. He's he's very cool. And uh, sorry, yeah, this is like um, so you know I, I really lo- really love my brother. He's he's great. Uh, but then to see him and 
And what happened was, uh, the, the story is that when he was filling out his FAFSA uh, to get his student loans at the time, my father, who made a lot of money, he was, made my brother ineligible for uh, Pell Grants and, and subsidized loans and all of that kind of stuff. But then um, he has to fill out, he has to give him the, the tax forms. And my father never gave my brother the tax forms. So he could never actually apply for student loans. So he ended up just going to get a job and just started work. Uh, started kind of taking classes when he could and, and he made it happen. Uh, about five or six years ago, he got his PhD in aerospace engineering and he's doing well, which is cool, but <laughs> no help from my father, which is what I, I had never really thought about. And I had heard the argument at the Thanksgiving dinner table, but I'd never really considered it until I went to fill out my FAFSA and I saw it in black and white. Like this is, this is how it has to work. He has to have that one form from my father. That was the tiny little thing that my dad had to do, and he, he refused to do it. And I, I, other than just being a selfish little child, I have no reason why my brother might, or my father might have done that. So it's just, you know, that's the one thing that he had to do to, to really launch my brother out of the house and to put him onto the right track, and he, he didn't, and for no good reason. And so, you know, I, I think that um, we have to pay that debt. We have to give our kids what they need. And, and a lot of times those things are very simple and they're very easy to give. Um, and, I, and I have some really awesome kids. They're, they're really great and I, I love my kids deeply. Um, and I don't think that it's hard at all. Like, there's so many just very simple things that we have to do. I mean, you know, giving them food and shelter is like not difficult at all. And, and, but being their friends and just showing up. I mean, it's the relationship that I have with, with my kids is the, is the easiest relationship in my life and it's the most rewarding by far. It's, it, it's the one thing that I can do where I, I have to put forth very little effort. They, they come out of the gates already loving me. I don't, I don't really have to do anything. I just have to be polite and respectful and, and treat them well and they, they love me right back and, and, and it's the best relationship in my life. And there's three of them, which is awesome. And they're totally different relationships, you know. And, and, and I learned so much from my kids and, and, and so much about how my other relationships are impacted in my life. I've learned that from my, from my children. Um, so today I have a, a lot of conflicted feelings about Father's Day because, you know, like my dad, you know, not only did he, like, kind of screw me over on my whole college education, but also worse, my brother, because, you know, like... He, he was kind of, he's kind of bad about that. But then also, like, uh, when I graduated, he didn't show up. And for my son's graduation, which was the next day, like, he didn't show up for that either. So it's like, just, just show up. Sometime, show up. Um, I've gotten, like, a crazy letter from my stepmother accusing me of wanting all of his money. And, and it's just, like, I haven't asked him for a penny since I was 17, you know. And, and then, last week, what all really changed and got me thinking about this was that uh, my father was diagnosed with uh, behavior variant uh, dementia. And uh, I mean, right now, what his symptoms are, nobody can tell the difference between that and him just always being a jerk. But it's, it's going to be there, you know? And, and so now, like, he, I mean, he, when he bought his motorcycle when he was like 75, that was supposed to be how that ended. But instead, you know, now, now it's like, I almost feel like he's trying to be a jerk to me. So, but I, I don't know how to feel about that. So then I, I come into here and I, and I don't know how to feel about like the way, you know, about my relationship with my father. So that was the reason why I didn't really want to speak today, but I thought this might actually be um, kind of good. And I think it was. Um, in the end, 
Um, I'm just... I see that my father never really had an opportunity to have the kind of relationship with his children that I have with mine. And I'm very grateful to be able to spend... Sorry. I'm very grateful to be able to spend today, you know, Father's Day with my kids, uh, with whom I have a great relationship. And, um, and I'd like to say thank you again to my wonderful ex-wife, who's taught me so much about being a father. Uh, Megan, thank you very much. Thanks.